0: All right, that Of is really good, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling a little, feel, I feel a little woozy from the Holy Spirit. Huh. Yeah. You know what that is. That's a good thing. I, yeah, it is. I love, I love feeling that. So, when I feel that, I just like to take a moment. And, yeah. And just yes. let that soak in to everybody. Because, Lord, you are you really are good. and We're yeah. so thankful, Lord. And you really are taking burdens off of people. Uh, and you're taking uh, yokes off from people. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, we want to be the kind of people who surrender those things yes. and just you know, live a, a life that's surrendered to you and, because that's a, a life of fullness, that's a life of joy. Yeah. And I just pray that for every person in this room, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. In your presence is fullness yes. of joy. Yes. And that's what we yes. uh, embrace today, we embrace your joy, we embrace your... Your fullness. Thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you for the Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Thank you that the Father in heaven is real and His heart is towards us. I pray every person in this room be blessed, Lord, uh, today. I pray there'd be an impartation that would come, uh, not only uh, through what we've already experienced, but more through the message we're fixing to receive. That there would be an impartation, Lord. I believe. That's what I was hearing, is that God wants to release something, it's like an apostolic blessing on us. Uh, so, leading into our guest speaker, I'm going to get uh, Dave to come up here, but uh, our guest speaker, come on Dave, right now. Uh, our guest is a doctor, Jim Bradford. Uh, he is uh, the, and Dave, he's going to tell me a little bit more, but I, I love this, he's the I don't really get, I don't understand the legal things very well, but he's the General Secretary, right, of the Assemblies of God Church. The whole deal, I mean, the whole kid and caboodle denomination. Uh, that's pretty amazing. I think the Assembly of God down the road's is wondering why he's not there this morning. I mean, why are you over here at River Life? I mean, I can just imagine them thinking that, like, dude, how in the world would y'all pull that off? And so... Uh, he, he can explain that to him, But I'm going to tell you something. This guy, there's a man named George Wood, who is the president or general superintendent of the Assembly of God. And that man is what I would say is a Pentecostal father in the earth. He, and i followed him for years. Uh, he, he's a father. And that's one of his uh, sons right there. And he's oh, had a and when Dave mentioned to me about getting to him, I, it was not him like, can you? Well, really? No. <laughs> so, Dave, why don't you
1: say something? Hi, I'm David Dinistrin. I know not all of you know me, but Jim is a friend of mine. We were talking last night. Jim and I met 41 years ago on the college campus of the University of Minnesota. We were both students, and um, we were really an answer to each other's prayers. And uh, we, we met uh, part of a campus ministry, Chi Alpha, which was through the Assemblies of God. We were roommates in college. We were in each other's weddings. Wow. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we, we, we started a church together uh, that just recently had its 35th anniversary yes. on oh, the University of Minnesota. And I will tell you this, that Jim is the real deal. Yes. Yes. And when we were young, I used to prophesy jokingly to him. You're one day gonna be the Pope of the Assemblies of God. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's really interesting is is that next year when George Wood retires, Jim is likely gonna be the head guy in the assemblies. Yeah. And the Lord just got such a love for this man. And the Lord recently showed me that he's he's God's man for this denomination. And Jim's going to put in the spirit a direction in the spirit that's going to take the assemblies of God in the right direction for years to come. So this is God's name. So I just want to bless him this morning.
0: Thank you. I have one more thing to say before Jim comes up here. Okay? Because I have this thing about assemblies of God. Okay? Uh, That y'all need to know about. I really owe the assemblies of God big time. Because... uh, I had one of the most imp- profound uh, life-changing experiences in Assembly of God Church in 1976. Okay, so I went to this church, First Assembly of God in Rockingham, North Carolina. A friend of mine invited me to come to church with him. So I go in this church. I'm sitting there. I'm, you know, the church, The service began. There was worshiping. And uh, this girl came in and sat down beside me. And uh, I noticed this girl was very... Passionate about the Lord, and I thought, "Wow, that's that's the kind of girl I would like to have." Somebody who's passionate. But then when I saw her, I thought, "Oh God, this I got to I got to get hold of this girl. I got to meet this girl." And so I don't remember anything else that happened in that. So I don't remember the preaching. I don't remember any song we sang, but I do remember the dress that Becky had on that. Night. <laughs> And so I met her that day, and so I've always told the Assembly of God, I owe you. Because I was, long story short, of course, I married Becky. Actually, we married in that church. Got the blessing of the Assembly of God pastor there, their families and all that. I married her and stole her away from him. So when I felt I was going to get this man here, I just wanted to personally thank you for, being, for letting me have Becky because it really was the greatest gift other than the Lord I've ever got. I said, come on up, Jim.
2: Thank you, Pastor Byron. I, I honestly wasn't expecting to hear that story. <laughs> You're welcome. (laughs) You sound like one smitten pastor. uh, uh, Becky is a great gift to this place as well. I can tell I love your spirit. And I just believe great leaders are a gift from Jesus right to our our hearts. So I hope you're just making it one of your missions in life to keep them encouraged and what gifts you are. we're, we're, we're so grateful for just heart partnership with you and mission partnership yeah. and we're all one big family anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great, such a great thing to be together. I want to thank you for your invitation. Thank you, Dave. Um, that's one of the best introductions I've ever had. So and uh, I love and appreciate you. And, and Emily, so good to see you. I think I saw you when you were barely able to walk at the last and. Uh, we're so proud of you and all that God's doing to your life. And what a, what a place this is. What a place Jesus' heart. And we're so grateful for all of you. And there's no way I can follow those announcements. I mean, that was like <laughs> purely entertaining. <laughs> I've been debating whether I should say this or not because I wanted to keep it a secret. But um, that, that was a great word on, on this being, you know, the New Year Day because I didn't even tell Dave this, but today's my birthday. Ah. (laughs) I felt like, uh, and I don't know what you'll think of what God's put on my heart to give you, but I felt like I came here to hear that on my birthday. And uh, so I appreciate it. May be grace and completion and completion and completion. I wanted to do that in my life. I'm not ready to hang it up yet. I guess, you know, he who began a good work in our hearts, He's safe. Yeah. He's going to be faithful yeah. to finish what he started. I want him to finish what he started.
0: So I just
2: received that word today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Um, and I do bring you greetings from Dr. Wood, who I was with a couple of days ago, and uh, and he uh, is he has been my mentor, and he's an amazing man of God. And uh, thank you for your prayers for our fellowship when you think about it, and I feel so at home here, and thank God, I love the Spirit of God here. And, oh, yeah. um, may God just keep encouraging you. I was actually going to speak on something else, but I really keep hearing something out of a verse of Scripture in a story in the Old Testament, and so i like, uh, we'll just see what happens this morning, but I'd like you to go with me Come to on. 1 Samuel 14, 1 Samuel 14, I'd like to read a Scripture that introduces the story for us. And then I uh, ask you a question. That feels on my heart as well. So, 1 Samuel chapter 14. This is way back in the Old Testament. If you can't find it, it's right before 2 Samuel. That might help you <laughs> find it. And it's chapter 14 and verse 6. And this one verse uh, will just set the stage for us. We'll go back into the previous chapter for a few moments. And then keep on past verse 6. But I'd like to introduce you to, not a king, but a prince. Uh, he was the son of the first king of Israel. first king was Saul. This is his son, Jonathan. And Jonathan said, verse 6, to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised fellows. He's talking about the Philistines. The Philistines are sort of our favorite bad guys in the Old Testament. And they're on the attack again. And he says, let's go over to those uncircumcised fellows. For perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So those last two sentences again. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. This is what I know for sure. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few. That would be the 3,000-year-old version of you and God are a majority. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving He, Or as another translation puts it, He is able. He is able by many or by few. All morning, all worship, I just can't get that out of of my heart this morning. I feel like he wants to say to you yeah. in the face of your family problems, in the face of your grief, as we mentioned earlier, and in the face of the incredible challenges we face in our culture, where we feel as a people of God these days that we're losing ground in America, where we feel out-muscled by the culture and out-voiced by the media. I say in Jesus' name, oh. he is still able. Yes. By many yes. or by few. Yes. You got to luck your face. Yes. You know, we're more than a few here. Yeah. But we're not enough, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. for the great challenges in our nation right now. And you're probably not enough for the challenges, perhaps, in your families, in your health, in your issues. The doctors aren't enough. You're not enough. I mean, we just live in a world where it's not enough. We're just not enough. Every resource we can muster is not enough. But he is able by many or by few. So here's the question I want to ask you. That's true. What is what is the next risk that God has been speaking to you about taking? If, if you're not limited by anything because he is able, in spite of what we have or don't have. In the investing world, we say no risk, no reward. In the physical fitness world, we say no pain, no And in the spiritual realm, we say no steps of faith, no spiritual breakthroughs. At some point, God's greatness and our situation meet at the point in which we obey him and take another risk. I didn't ask you what reckless thing are you planning on doing next. (laughs) That's another sermon. (laughs) But what risk? What is... The next risk, let's say, what's this, October 2nd, so between, I should know that day, October 2nd, so between now and the end of the year. I mean, what what is the next step of faith that God's been talking to you about? If you're growing, if you're moving forward and embracing his greatness and presence in real ways that change the world around you, his greatness will meet a step of faith that he's asking you to take. I was reading about the African gazelle, fastest land animal in Africa, and it can vertically jump as well, very high, 10 feet. That's higher than I can reach. But you can keep a gazelle contained in a wall only three or four feet high. And the reason is that a gazelle refuses to jump until it can see ahead of time where it's going to land. It refuses to jump until it can see ahead of time where its feet are going to land. I read that and I thought, that's just like the coward I want to be half the time. Like, I'm not going to jump until I know for sure where my feet are going to land. Until all my bets are age. But what can I say about risk except it's risky.
0: <laughs>
2: and when you take steps of faith, you don't always see where your feet are going to land. Right, right. All you know is that he's able by many or by few. This is what I love about Jonathan. He's sort of our poster boy when it comes to steps of faith. The previous chapter sets up the scene. The Philistines are on the march against the people of Israel. We're told that their, num- that their army numbers is as numerous as, the number of soldiers is as numerous as the sands of the sea. That's a very nice way of saying we're in a heap of trouble I don't know how they got their news, but the Israelites got up the next morning, turned on CNN, and found out this is going to be a hopeless battle. So instead of gathering around their king, they head for the hills. Literally, they're hiding in holes in the ground, in caves, and behind shrubs because they know this is hopeless. And just to thicken the plot, we're told in the previous chapter that at this moment in history, historians call this the early Iron Age period. And the the Philistines had the monopoly on the ironworking industry. And they wanted to hold on to that monopoly to keep Israel from excessively being able to arm itself. And so at this moment, the day this war breaks out, Israel only has two swords. King Saul has one and his son, Prince Jonathan, has the other one. So here's the scenario. The people of God are hopelessly outnumbered. They're pitifully under-resourced. And all the volunteers are hiding. I want to tell you, I've been a pastor long enough to know that's exactly like church work right there. I mean, outnumbered, under-resourced, and where are those volunteers? And I want to tell you, you may feel that wherever you are in your life. Just overwhelmed, under-resourced, and where are those people around me? I need what I need. And this is the scene. And so in the verse we just read, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Let's go over. We're going to go over to those Philistines. I mean, somebody's got to do something. For perhaps if we do that, God will do something for us. For all I know, even though there's just two of us with one sword, God is able by many or by few. Now, I once heard this story told from the perspective of the armor bearer. And I've never looked at the story of the same sense, Because if I was a Armor Bearer, I would have said, Oh, timeout right there, Jonathan. Could, could you just punch the rewind button? And just go back a couple of sentences. And please tell me you did not say, perhaps, the Lord will on
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean
2: you, mean, you don't have a word from God on this? <laughs>
0: I mean, Jonathan, I mean,
2: please tell me you've been to River Life Fellowship and had at least three or four, even preferably five prophetic confirmations on this. I mean, you, me, one sword in that entire army and all you've got. And Jonathan said, I'm sorry, I'm a All of that. I got was a perhaps. But I love the words of one friend of mine. We serve the kind of God who turns our maybes into his miracles. And he said, I don't know for sure where our feet are going to land. And this is always true of steps of faith. All I know is that, is that our smallness in number doesn't limit him. We apparently serve a God who's actually unimpressed with large numbers. Yep. He's unimpressed with what we bring to the table. I mean, I, you know, Dave and I studied at the University of Minnesota. I have a PhD in aerospace engineering, you know. And it's not like God's up there in heaven thinking, if I can just find a rocket scientist and make him General Secretary of the Assembly of God. Just think of what I could finally get done. I want to tell you, I guarantee he's not thinking that. At my best, I mean, you know, I'm rather unimpressive compared to the God who made the heavens. And the Listen, his greatness makes my insecurities irrelevant. Because he's able by many or by few. My favorite verse about God is Psalm 115, verse 3. He said, our God is in the heavens and he can do whatever he wants. You know, he's in the heavens, you can't contain him. He does whatever he wants, so you can't control him. I mean, what do you do with a God who's alive and loose? We want to domesticate him. We want to make him a tame house cat. He's the lion of Judah. And even our smallest, even our weakness does not weaken him. The issue is not being impressed with ourselves. I, at some point, I prayed for years, God, just help me get over myself. Yeah. You know, the issue is not what I can bring to the table. The issue is what we experienced in the heart of God today in worship. He is the great and awesome God. And He He. that means the pressure is not on me. It's on him. I want to tell you, when I'm overwhelmed, he's not. When I'm perplexed, he's not. He's never scratching his cosmic head up there saying, oh no, what do I do now? Listen, when I'm nervous, he's not. Yes, In
0: fact, good. the Apostle
2: Paul said that he actually does his best work when we're yes, weak.
0: That's why sometimes frustration
2: is a great gift to us.
0: And I find I've
2: often heard accurately from God about his promises. But when I take his promises and lay my calendar book on top of His promises. That's, That's when I make good. most of my mistakes. Yeah. You know what, some things may not have happened yet. I mean, it's a hard thing to walk with God and understand especially His timing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can feel like you got everything in the world conspiring against your destiny, conspiring against his promises in your life. Every problem that seems to outmuscle you and outperplex you. But I want to say in the face of all of that, whether we get his calendar book or not, we have his word and his word says, even though we may not know where our feet are going to land or when, even though we may only have a perhaps, but we can't sit still, I want to tell you he's able by many or by few. Your weakness doesn't weaken him. What overwhelms you doesn't overwhelm him. And that's where even our frustration and failures. You know, Jesus broke the bread. Remember that? To feed the 5,000? You know, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and then he multiplied it. And I found always in my life, I want to go directly from being blessed to being multiplied. (laughs) you forget, you got to kind of get broken in the process. Because such a gift from God when he brings us to the end of ourselves. And we don't feel weak, strong. We don't feel sufficient. We don't feel capable. You know, and it's at that point that the battle of faith has to win. And faith doesn't make you feel cocky. feels personally, oh, I I, I should never feel weak. I should never feel insufficient. Faith just looks past our weakness and sees a God to whom our weakness is is irrelevant in yeah. terms of what he can or
0: cannot so yes. what he can yeah. You
2: know, and that's why Dave and I are friends, really. You know, I, I went to the University of Minnesota. I transferred as a junior. And by the end of the year, my junior, I found that little Bible study. I'd never met Dave yet. He wasn't a part of it yet, although we were living in the same dorm. And um, I found this little Bible study. And by the end of the year, it was only about a dozen and all the leaders were leaving and if some of the guys started a few years earlier. Finally. By the end of my junior year, I sort of by default became the leader of that group. You know, and I've never led, i never led anything in my life. I mean, growing up, I was, the most, I still fight at some. I don't have a light up the room personality. I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, I wasn't the leader on the playground in eighth grade. All those metrics <laughs> that they use, I, I, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, as a teenager, I was short, I was shy. Watch Star Trek too much. And so all of a sudden, I'm leading this group at the end of my junior year. And by the end of my senior year, one year later, successfully shrunk it from 12 down to 3. I was a number one campus ministry shrinker in the Assumption. And one of the two other guys, remember Steve Gepper? One of the two two other guys would sit in my dorm room. He used to come to our basically extinct campus ministry. (laughs) I had about a month and a half left before my uh, getting my bachelor's degree and I already made the decision I was gonna stay at the University of Minnesota and go to grad school. And Steve looked at me and said maybe we should pray and fast. (laughs) You know. And normally I would smile like you just did. (laughs) I don't know, predictable. When all else fails, let's seek God, right? But I wanna tell you something happened. And to this day, I have trouble explaining my heart. It was like in that moment when my friend Stephen, it wasn't a Bible study, it was just Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, hanging out in my dorm room. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and says, maybe we should pray and fast. And something broke my heart. And the only way I can describe is for the next two to three months, I became desperately hungry for God like I'd never been before. And what a favor God had done to let me fail. To really be weak. And in our weakness, what we become is not some kind of this pseudo, this this pseudo kind of sense of self-sufficiency and self-confidence. Our self-confidence is because He is who He is, and so we don't have to wallow in. Oh, to we just all we just wallow, and I know who He is. That's what we wallow in. And uh, I just became desperately hungry for God, even though I was eating dorm food, it would, I, I wouldn't want to even go down and eat. It, would take, it was a one time in my life, fasting was easy. I mean, I could go three days and not even want to eat. I was so hungry for that. I'd feel driven to pray between classes in the morning if I had an hour. Or we have this campus ministry office we're about to lose on the edge of campus. had a desk and a carpet. That's it. And I was in the old Luther Hall, second floor. I'd go up there, uh-huh. and I just sometimes, I want to tell you, people say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know the right words to pray well and all of that sort of thing. And I, I have to tell you, I prayed really messy. Sometimes all I could do is lie on my face. Sometimes for a couple hours. I was so hungry for God. I'd lie on my face for two hours and I would just groan. It was like, I wouldn't right. even know how to pray. I'd like, yeah. oh God. It was like that, you know, Romans 8, God sometimes just prays through us with groanings. He was kind of birthing something, but I didn't realize it. All I knew is I was at the end of myself, and all I had was him. And, and and I just, he just helped me. Thank God. You know, the psalmist said, revive our hearts so that we may call upon him. You know what, God, God can even help us be hungry for him. But this is the great thing of being at the end of ourselves, of being broken. We, we have only him. And, and this, this, you can't write the script from there. No. But if you're a God seeker, no. you are positioning yeah. yourself. We heard a great word last night at the men's event on positioning ourselves. You're positioning yourself for God to do whatever yeah. he wants to do. And I began to do, just, I just, I, and it was so intense, so distracting for, for two, three months. Then the intensity lifted. I went another year and a half. Nothing much <coughs> happened except we grew up we we grew back to about twelve people, mainly people who wanted to pray. And it was about the end of that year and a half time, like uh, like forty one years ago. Right now that that I met Dave, and I walked into a I walked into one of our weekly meetings. I was fully expecting five, twelve people there, and lead a little inductive Bible study and sing some little songs at each other and and just do our thing. And it's like God just said, now it's like. I, don't, I have no human way of explaining, but I went in that meeting and there were 60 students there, wow. 60 or 65. They came from, I actually remember having a conversation that night with David there, and they came in clusters of friends. I don't know how God opened all our eyes to our presence that night. It was like the spirit of God fell on us. And God did something I was totally unable to make happen myself. And in the midst of being a part of a, of just just a a failed, extinct campus ministry to God who says, I don't need you to be impressive. I, I I just need you to step out on a perhaps and who knows what the script will be, but I'm able by many or by few. Then I find out that Dave for the whole previous year. I'd just been hungry for God to move on our camp. He'd been interceding, he'd been praying, and so David became my number one prayer partner. And yeah. then we did indeed. I finished my PhD, and then we did indeed. A year after I finished that, we started a church together. Took 120 out of that campus ministry, started a church still there. You know what? You can't write the script no. when you're hungry for God, but you're positioning yourself. In, in the whole arena of a God who's not limited by our weakness. He is able by many or by few. I just feel like God's spirit wants to say that to some of you. In your family, I'm able by many or by few. You may not even be able. You may in fact get in my way if you try to fix it yourself. But I'm able by many or by few. All I'm gonna ask you to do is to take a step of faith. Sometimes when you only have a perhaps, listen to my spirit. Just obey me when I tell you to take a risk. And then watch what I can do in spite of you. I want you to be encouraged. It's true for your health. It's true for your family. It's true for our nation. It's true for your business. It's true for your finances. He is able. No matter what seems to be working against him. No matter how big the army is charging against him. So Jonathan said to Armour Bearer, I got a plan. I'm sure Armour Bearer was thinking, we could use a plan right now. (laughs) He said, You see that Philistine sentry? There's a pass, a kind of kind of a steep slope and in, in the sentries were up there. He said, see those guys? We're gonna go out into that pass, we're gonna wave, shout, get their attention, and then we're gonna listen to what they say. If they say, which they'll likely say, Hey you guys, stay there, we're coming down and get you then well, armored bear it's been nice knowing you. It's been a short life but a good life. If they say, why don't you guys come up here? Then that's our sign. And we attack. I'm sure Armour Bearer was saying, go on. <laughs> and he said, no, that's the plan. <laughs> Armour said, well, let me get this straight. We go out there, they'll probably say, hey, you guys stay there. We're coming down to get you. And this lights out, right? Yeah. Or they say, come up here. And we get to attack that entire army all by ourselves with one sword.
0: Now,
2: now, now Jonathan, I went to the University of Jerusalem, I took Logic 101 and they taught me there's always a third creative solution, a creative third alternative. Jonathan says, no, no third alternatives. This is what I love about Jonathan's spirit. May God give this to us. Because he knew God is not limited by our weakness. He's able by many everybody. He's not impressed with our He doesn't need what we bring to the table because of that. He didn't have three options. He only had two. We're either going to win or we're going to die trying. Now, whatever happened to that spirit in the church? We're we're either going to win or we're going to die trying. I love the motto of the French Foreign Legion. If I stumble, pick me up. If I falter, push me on. But if I retreat, shoot me because there's only two options and not three retreat is not an option we either win or die trying one of the things I worry about for us is we live too safely yes. yeah. Yeah. I mean I was I'm not saying that to you because you're not a son of God I mean I'd say that to any son of the God congregation in this country we live too safely sometimes we fear failure so we won't even try you know or I heard you announcing, you know, you can get involved. You can be a part. You can serve. You can be part of ministries. But Some of us have been around the block a few times. We know what that's about. We're going to serve. We're going to work hard. Nobody will say much. As soon as we make a mistake and mess up, it'll be in our face. We're going to get our feelings hurt. So we just live safely. But I'll tell you, if you, haven't had, if you haven't been hurt in church, you haven't lived. I mean, I'm just telling you. Like, where have you been? Of course you're going to get your feelings hurt. Uh, But I picture your destiny like a pathway lined with people that Jesus loves so much. As he said to me once when I was having an insecurity meltdown, he said, Bradford, if this will help you, I love those people so much, I'll even use you if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) He loves him so much. His agenda is to transform a pathway lined with people in your future. Wow. Through your influence. And that agenda trumps just you not having your feelings. Or sometimes they say, Lord, I just like my life where it is. Don't bother me. Don't tell me to do anything different. Don't change the service time at church. Don't Don't do anything. I like my life. I like my church. I like my life. Don't bother me. Meanwhile, you got the God who created heaven and earth into yes. wanted to release himself through yes. you. And he's saying, You're saying to me, don't bother you. Look at what I could do. It could touch a destiny, a pathway yes. lined with people that I have, that I have a heart for, that I have a plan for, and you're at the middle. You're God's plan for those people. And we're sitting around, we we just want to be safe. Whatever happened to He's able by many or by few. So I'm either gonna win or at least I'm gonna die trying. So so they go out there in the middle of the pass. They start jumping up and down. They get the if we kept reading from verse six, they give us a fair amount of detail here. They get up and they start waving, get the Philistines' attention. And those Philistines, I can just hear them talk to each other. In fact in fact the scripture records one Philistine saying to another Look at those, look at those Israelites. They're coming out of their holes. <laughs> it was not flattering, but most of them were hiding in holes in the ground, we were told. Wow. Look at them, they're coming out of their holes. I can imagine the other Philistines saying, yeah, let's go get them. And the first Philistine saying, yeah, we could do that, but you know what, this is, a, this is kind of a boring war. We're just gonna walk over there. Look at the fact, it's so stupid down there. I bet you, if we said, hey, you guys, Hey, you Israelites, why don't you come up and see us? I bet they'd actually do it. The first Philistines said, well, that's worth a try. This is a boring war. So they yelled down, Hey, you Israelites, come on up here and we'll really show you something. Johnson nudged his arm bearer and said, you hear that? Arm bearer said, I didn't hear anything. (laughs) Johnson said, that's our son. somehow in the spirit I see your church being at the center of this picture that, that is one of the most bizarre pictures in all of scripture. The scripture said it was so steep to the top that they had to climb on their hands and, and their feet on all fours to get up to the top and it's two guys, it says Jonathan went first and armor bearer was behind him with one of the two swords of Israel and here's these two little guys with one sword climbing up a steep hill on all fours yelling
0: Charge!
2: <laughs> they get to the top and they encounter the sentries at the top. The Bible says pretty quickly Jonathan knocks 20 of them down, and an armor bearer finishes them off with the sword. So you've got 20 dead Philistines, only 493,000 to go. <laughs> And then God takes over. And it was still open in verse in verse 15. Then panic. Then panic struck the army. And those in the camp and the field, and those in the outposts and the raiding parties. And the ground shook. For it was a panic sent by God. Wow. Now can you imagine being a Philistine soldier? You're armed to the teeth, you've got all the supplies you need, you're sitting in front of your tent. And all you can see all around, three hundred and sixty degrees, is thousands and thousands of other soldiers. And all of a sudden you see in the distance two little guys with one sword charging. And, and, And and you just your heart just starts melting with fear. I mean normally that would not happen. I mean you are the majority. You have all the armaments you want. And two little guys with one sword are yelling, Charge! And they're coming after you. And it said, God sent a panic into the camp. And their hearts melted with fear. And then the ground started shaking underneath them. And I'm wondering, I'm looking forward to the day, in fact, when the enemy loses heart in Mooresville. Yeah. You know what, it seems like he's got all the troops, he's got all the benefit. he's got all the clout in our culture, but I see a day where the ground's going to shake yeah. under the feet of the spiritual enemy yeah. in our towns, in our villages, in our families, yeah. in our situations. We serve the God who can literally shake the ground yeah. under the feet of the enemy and... and Make the enemy lose heart. I mean, these Philistines, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of them. And two little guys with one sword are attacking them. And they, their hearts just melt with fear. Their hearts give out. Their courage gives out. Their arrogance gives yeah. out. Their presupposition that they can come against the people yeah. of God and prevail. It yeah. just gives out. The enemy loses yes. heart. Yes. I bet he can do that. Yes. I bet that's going to happen. I just believe there's a spiritual, I know we got an election coming up, but I just believe there's a spiritual awakening coming to America at a time where we're largely losing ground, uh, where we're largely... Have, have, it seemed almost impossible that the inroads of secularism and moral relativism and, 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 the, and, and the filth that floods our culture could ever be reversed. But I want to tell you, God's able by many or by few in Mooresville, North Carolina. He's able by many or by few. No matter what your kids are like, no matter what your family's facing, He's able by many or by few. He's able by many or by few. By or by few. Hallelujah. Sat beside a, a young lady in the plane yesterday flying in and She's probably in her 30s. I think she was still single, and we had a wonderful conversation. conversation Found out she's a believer, and, and she works for Bank of America, and she's in their technology area. And, and she said, almost everybody I work with, our she is so hard to stand. And I said, I said, did you, did you grow up Baptist? She probably grew up singing that little song, "This Little Light of Mine." I'm gonna let it shine. I said, I remember that song? I said, keep letting it shine. I don't care how black it is around you. I don't care that everybody disagrees with you, where you are, at work, in your job. I want to tell you, God wants to shake the ground under the feet of the enemy. He loves people so much. He is able to address the spiritual realms in ways you can't ever do it. He's able to shake. He's able to make the enemy lose heart and panic. What if every demon in town lost heart and started running? Because the church of Jesus Christ wasn't impressed with itself, but they knew They knew that he is able by many or by few. And when God says leap, they're not waiting for a certainty. When God says take a step of faith, we just do the simple thing he's called us to do. You see, all of the Christian life is basically this. We're desperately hungry for God. We seek him with all our hearts. And then when he says take a step of faith, we do it. And And then God does what we can't do. He shakes the crown Oh, this is so simple today, but I just hear that over and over as we've been worshiping today. God is able by many or by few. You're not really outnumbered. He's the God who can do what you can't do. He can shake shake the ground under the enemy's feet. In fact, I'd like you to stand with me. Father, here we are right now. Here we are. Lord, we thank you that you're able by many or by few. We're so unimpressed with ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for your breaking power that brings us to the end of ourselves. If we're not there yet, we we pray with courage that you'll bring us there to the end of ourselves. But, oh God, we pray that you will help us to have confidence in you and to take the step of faith you're asking us to take. Lord, maybe by the end of the year, some of us are supposed to have a difficult conversation with somebody who's been relational division. It's easy to wait for other people to do it or think it's not my fault. But Lord, if you want to shake the ground under the enemy's feet in some of our relationships, I pray, I pray we'll be willing to take the risk not sure what might happen. I pray, God, if our finances are under the enemy's dominion to help us to obey you, yeah. to tithe, to put you first, to, to see... To see you do what we can't do. I pray, God, if you're speaking to some of us to volunteer for a ministry or even step into a leadership position and we're we're sure we're going to get hurt sometime. Mm. Lord, I just pray you give us courage to obey you today. Lord, I pray those of us where we've just been believing you for things and it still hasn't happened. Mm. Believe in you for healing. especially feel that. We've been believing you for healing. And it still hasn't happened. We believe in you for promise and destiny. Oh, and it yeah. still hasn't happened. My God. My God. I just pray oh, that you'll keep us humble yeah. and hungry for you. Yes. And then that we yes. will be obedient. Yeah. For oh, those moments yes. when you tell. We'll not do what you haven't told us to do. But you will we'll have the courage to take the step of faith. When you ask yes. us
0: to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah
2: especially feel it for healing this morning for some reason. Yeah. Pastor Byron, it's okay. I'll turn it to you in just a moment. But if you, yeah. you know, I, I just I just yeah. feel like, you know, part of the step of faith is that, you know, I prayed and prayed. It's almost yes. embarrassing to get prayed yeah. for again. You know, part of the step of faith yeah. is I refuse to not trust God yeah. anymore. I refuse just to let this be in other people's hands. And, and you're here today. And you just need a healing whether in a relationship or in your heart or in your body. I just feel faith here this morning, just for a moment before we close yeah. to pray for you. I'm just going to pray for you. We're all yeah. going to agree in prayer. If you just want to step forward, just come, and going to pray for you this morning. He's able by many or by few. He's able to of what's happened or hasn't happened in the past. Listen, nothing confines him. He's able. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Like others of you, if you'd like to come in behind them and just lay hands on them, Lord, we just pray right In the name of Jesus.